All right. Hey, my friends, welcome to another episode of Real Live Talk. I'm pumped that you're here to check out today's conversation. If you are checking out this podcast for the first time, thank you so much for really just taking out time from your day, which I know is super, super valuable. And I really, really appreciate you for being here. I pray that the content blesses you or challenges you or makes you think or does something to add some kind of value to your life. If you've been here before and you're checking out this episode as a uh, return trip, really, really appreciate you guys too. So thank you so much. It truly means the world to me that you're here. My guest for this episode is Thomas Ryan. Tom and his wife, Amanda, have been together running the college excuse me, the college, I know how to talk, the college ministry at the University of Buffalo in New York since 2009. Together, they are the father of three amazing kids. Tom is involved in his church as an elder and has a heart to make disciples, to see men live out their calling, serving Jesus, and to see relationships bring glory to God. He works full-time as an engineer, and his wife runs her own photography business as well. Life is ministry, and together they work to see God glorified in their marriage, parenting, and all that they do. This conversation centered a lot around marriage, parenting, relationships, really stewarding the relationships that God has given to us and prioritizing family above ministry. Tom makes a powerful statement about not sacrificing your family on the altar of ministry, which is something that happens far too often. And uh, we talk a lot about discipleship in this conversation as well. We talk a little bit about foster care um, at the end. And uh, just want to say anybody out there that is involved in foster care or you've adopted kids or anything like that, just want you to know how much I appreciate you. And I think you are a hero. You're my hero. So thank you guys so much. Anyway, let's go ahead and jump into this episode. Thanks again for being here. I really hope you enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You sound good. a little bit like you're like you're a helicopter pilot or something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. Cool man. So, I uh, I'm excited, man. I'm I'm glad that you um, are here. That you agreed to do this with me, and uh, I'm pumped really to have this conversation with you, Tom. First of all, Tom or Thomas. <laughs> Either one is fine. Either one. Either is way fine. is fine. Yeah. Did you do Did you do like a lot of sports when you were growing up? I did, yeah. I did uh, wrestling, football, track, and then uh, in college did rugby. Did everybody call you Ryan? Yes, I get it at work pretty much two or three times a day. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have one of those last names where it's just like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I'll, I tell people I've been called worse. So Tom, yeah. Thomas, Ryan. That's. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I was going to say I'm I'm excited to have this conversation with you today because it's been a while since you and I have really connected for any extended period of time. Yeah. And I I don't know a whole lot. I think I know the the basics, but I don't know a whole, <laughs> no pun intended, but yeah. I know I I don't know a whole lot about the intricacies of your life and your ministry and what you guys do and stuff like that. So I'm just excited to talk with you today, man. So if we could just kind of start there and just kind of give us a little bit of background on who you are and and what you're up to these days. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I'll start with, um, I became born again my freshman year of college. Um, I joke that my wife flirted me to Jesus. Um, Okay. (laughs) And uh, I, yeah, she agrees slightly with it, but not entirely. So we met. Uh, the Dalai Lama spoke at UB, and uh, her and I were working security together. And I was just off a really bad breakup of 
my former girlfriend whose name was also Amanda. Okay. And was just at a, a low spot. And so, um, you know, get saved. Uh, well, sorry. So in this low spot and here's this beautiful girl and she starts talking about God. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Cause I had kind of gone to church in high school and was baptized, okay. but, but didn't really know who Jesus was. And, um, so she invited me to this group and I was just like, I'll go anywhere with you. Um, so I go to basic, which stands for brothers and sisters in Christ and totally freaked out the first time, all these young college students worshiping God, being excited about Jesus. And it just kind of freaked me out. Um, so I went on with my life and the next week she invited me again and I was like, eh, okay, I'll, I'll go. Why not? And, um, this time the pastor of our church, Pastor Ron Bergio, uh, was speaking, gave an altar call and, uh, my hand just goes up and I gave my life to the Lord. Mm. And so, uh, freshman years where everything got turned around. Um, shortly after that, Amanda and I were, were getting close. She sat me down and apologized for flirting and said, I'm, you know, we're just, we're not even friends from now on. You're my little brother. And wow. she was my big sister. And so I went from almost dating to not even friend zone, brother zone, mm. um, okay. which was wise for her because she had seen so many people get caught up where they chase relationships instead of relationship with the Lord. And she knew as a new believer, I needed to uh, focus on Christ. Mm. And so that was the the rest of my freshman year was going going after Jesus, wrestling between, you know, do I want to give up the drinking and the chasing women um, and follow Jesus? And um, slowly spring semester, a lot of that starts getting worked out in my life. And then I go on a missions trip to Morelia, Mexico after my freshman year. Uh, okay. And that is, that is where I met your wife. Uh, she was the yeah. translator, translator of our group that was down there. And... I'm in college. It's a, it's the youth group of our church. And so it's a lot of younger kids. And just by age, yeah. I think I got deemed a partial leader. Um, right. <laughs> and, and so I, so I'm there and I'm watching, I'm watching all of these, uh, younger kids, you know, pray over people and people are getting slain in the spirit and they're praying in tongues. And I'm just wrestling with God, you know, why am I even here? Um, is this, is this even real type of thing? Yeah. And had all of these questions and doubts. And as soon as I finished yelling at God um, and questioning God, uh, your wife came over and had a prophetic word for me and answered every question and then spoke Whoa. over my life. And that was probably the defining moment um, going into my sophomore year, coming back from that trip where everything changed. Um, wow. and, and I became 100% sold out for Jesus and just started pursuing him went on um, a year and a half where I just dated the Lord and said, if I spend time with the opposite sex and it's more than I've spent with you, I'm cheating on you. And uh, hmm. so it, it gave me the ability to just look at all women as sisters and not get caught up in um, trying to get in a relationship, grew immensely with the Lord. And then um, now it's my junior year and some opportunities opened up. I was praying about, you know, this Amanda who had flirted me to Jesus, um, if uh, we were going to start dating with the intentions of marriage. So I called up Pastor Ron, because uh, now I'm going to the church, and wanted to get his blessing and his idea on it. And he was all all about it. And then right after uh, we got confirmation to enter into a courtship, 
he then asked if I wanted to take over the college ministry um, because our former advisor mm. was getting married and moving on. Yeah. So now we're wrapping up my junior year of college and um, entering into a courtship, entering into a ministry, and um, been doing that ever since. So been running a college ministry. We just finished our 13th year, uh, been married for 12 years. And through all of that, and I, I started with that story because you asked about my life. Um, yeah. Jesus, Jesus is my life. I mean, it's everything revolves around him. And so to start with that, you know, my wife and I have been faithfully serving at the University of Buffalo as college ministers. Um, we've got three kids, uh, a nine-year-old Liam, six-year-old Eliana, who actually is going to be seven on Monday, and then a four-year-old uh, who's Ethan. Um, and we are also a couple weeks away from getting uh, foster certified. So, really? Yeah, there's a, there's a really good uh, conviction on that. Um, yeah. As as well, so um, you know, life life is ever changing as we've got um, kids that are now getting into more sports, into more activities, and uh, so we just last year have been praying for many years um, and have another couple helping us with the college ministry so we can kind of distribute that burden a little bit, get them running some Bible studies for us and meeting with students um, because we don't want to, we don't want to sacrifice our family on the altar of ministry, um, mm. you know, and so good. really, really striving to continue to get engaged with our church, uh, for other married couples. Uh, you know, I've got a big heart to see men be men, um, and follow Jesus with all that they have. So I get to deposit that into the college students, but try to sharpen, um, you know, the other men in our church as well. Yeah. Um, ex that, that, thank you, man. Thank you for sharing. Cause, uh, that, that was, uh, that was really cool. That was really cool to hear because, um, again, I think I, I, I knew some of that stuff from like years ago, but it wasn't yeah. fresh in my mind. And so I'm, uh, I'm really excited to just know ab about what God has been doing in your life and how you got connected and how you got saved and how you came into the family of God. And it's just, it's super cool. It's super yeah. cool. And uh, I, I love it, man. I, w would you go a little bit further just into what the college ministry looks like and and how you guys are, are running that today? Yeah. Um, so it was probably one of the hardest things when we first got into it, um, mainly because, you know, as we started dating, the idea was we'll get involved at church, we'll volunteer with the youth group, you know, kind of low committal things. And to step in as a student and become the advisor was was difficult for our first year because a lot of our um, classmates, a lot of our friends uh, who were leaders with us now had, you know, we were their superior in essence of now we're in charge of how's the ministry running. And so the first couple of years uh, was a lot of, well, the previous advisor did it this way. Um, okay. Who, who was full time. You know, I work full time as an engineer. Um, my wife has a photography business that she runs and she stays home with the kids as well. And so there was a lot of uh, figuring out, well, what does it look like when we put our fingerprint on this? Um, you know, and so through prayer, um, the Lord really put on our hearts uh, discipleship. Um, that's that's probably our biggest thing is we're here to make disciples. And so our college ministry, it's it's changed a little bit over time. But it, in essence, it's a it's a church service on a Monday night is when we meet. And so we have 
worship, we have either I will preach, we bring in different area pastors, um, so the students get a different um, style, different flavor of preaching every week. Um, but then we stress small groups. Um, and so afterwards, we have about 20 minutes where we break up guys, girls, our leaders are involved, and it's, what'd you get out of this? How can we know Jesus better? Um, and the Lord really put on my heart's um, quality over quantity. And so mm. um, it's grown over time, and it's been an incredible blessing to see the swing go where now there's actually sometimes more men than women in the college ministry, um, where before it was the other way, right? There just weren't men showing up to Christian anything. Mm. Um, but again, as it's, as it's grown, we've realized I can't disciple everyone that's there. And so we focus on our leaders. And we say, we're going we're gonna to disciple you guys. Right now we're going through a book. Um, called Four Chairs by Dan Spader on how to raise disciples who make disciples. And so we're we're cultivating in our leaders, the campus is yours. Now you go and disciple these other students. Yeah. See who's got a hunger for the Lord. And so that's been our biggest push. Everything that we do is focused on, I don't want someone just to come to know the Lord. I want them to be a disciple of the Lord. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we don't, we don't yield 100%, um, but Jesus didn't either, um, you know, and, and it's, 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 uh, it's a narrow path. And so we're, we're excited. We've seen um, lives transformed. Um, we had one girl suicidal. Someone gave her my number and she thought it was like a, a prayer hotline or something. So she mm. called and I just, I happened to answer and we talked, um, prayed with her. She came to the ministry uh, shortly later, gave her life to the Lord. Um, Come on. Got baptized, ended up joining um, Campus Target. She dropped out of grad school. Um, she had a scholarship and everything for engineering. She dropped out and said, I'm called to China. She went there for three years. Wow. And um, she's she's back now, led tons of people to the Lord. Um, hmm. And just, just incredible. You know, here she was, this girl from the city who was ready to end her life. And uh, Jesus completely transformed it. And she goes and impacts so cool. nations. And so... Now, that's one of many students where we've seen um, because they understand I'm, I'm supposed to follow Jesus and it should transform my life. You know, we're, we've been in weddings, we've been able to marry people and, and, you know, years after they graduate, they're still serving the Lord and having an impact. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. How, how do you guys kind of get started? So you're, um, you're on a college campus, and so you have these meetings on Monday evenings on the college. It's on the college campus, you said, yes. right? And so yep, are yeah, you guys in like a campus. classroom or are you in like a common area? How, how does that work? Yeah, so um, I'll say we get the pleasure of working with uh, college bureaucracy, uh, which at times can make right, yeah. <laughs> America's government look efficient. Um, so every every year we have to re reserve rooms. Uh, we've actually been using one of the student union theaters. Um, so it's, you know, an amplified stage. Okay, cool. Um, it's got a built-in projector. And so it's been a nice setting. And the times past, we've been in, uh, you know, just large classrooms. And so we got to move chairs around or uh, do different things like that. Um, but the way BASIC starts, for those that don't know, um, BASIC is an organization out of Elam, and they, they commit to partner with a local church and see Pentecost happen on a college campus. So they find a church that is near a college campus and they say, you know, they agree, we want to reach this campus for Christ and they help them get um, 
advisors on that campus run a club and then it's up to them how the meeting runs um, every campus every basic group is a little different so it's kind of the flavor of what the advisors have and what the church uh, would like to see basic at the university of buffalo has been on there for i think over 30 years um, well wow. so it's been there for for a long time and uh, it's just been been a really neat part you know it's uh we try to delegate as much that's something the lord <laughs> taught me is you got to delegate everything you can um, and it might not go as well as you could have done it but other people are yeah. going to grow and um, you know he still gets he still gets the glory he's not limited by by our inadequacies yeah man still my favorite acronym like ever basic <laughs> brothers and sisters in christ so good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just perfect um yeah. i i love i love what you're saying and i appreciate you sharing and i i've been thinking a lot about this recently actually about what you're talking about as far as making disciples and it's interesting how jesus he sent his disciples out into the world to make disciples right and yeah. a lot of times i think that our concept is of making disciples in the church and I, I believe in bringing people into the church. Of course, I believe that we're supposed to be connected to a local church. I'm a pastor. I, I believe in the local church. But there's something that's so so powerful about recognizing that I'm not limited by the four walls of a church building. But as a disciple of Jesus Christ, he's called me to go out into the world, whether that whether he's called me to a mission field uh, in terms of like in another country and I'm living as right. a full time missionary or if he's called me, you know, if I'm a student on a college campus, or if he's called me to the marketplace in some area, some sector of society or whatever, that there's a there's a level of, of influence that he's giving me where I'm going. And when I'll walk in the authority that he's given to me, then as a disciple of Jesus Christ, that it's it's something that we're all supposed to take part of is making disciples, because that's what disciples do. You, you talked about the, the, you know, this book that's really all about disciples that make disciples. That's what we that's what we do. That's what it, that's what a disciple is. Right. We're, right. we're we're following Jesus, but then we're doing what he did, which was what make disciples. And so we're but that takes place everywhere. You know, it doesn't just happen inside the church, but it happens with the people that we get to have interaction with, that we invite into our lives, that the Lord, you know, just people that the Lord leads us to in daily life where we can begin to build relationship and connection and just kind of show people who God is, show people who Jesus is in a real and authentic way. And so, yeah, man, I love that. Yeah, Love yeah, and no, I think I think you you nailed it right. If if we're trying to do that only in our hour to two hour church service on a Sunday, um, right? We're not we're not going to see the growth and you know a challenge for a lot of people, right? Because some people think, well, I got to bring my unsaved friends to church so they can get saved and then learn how to be a Christian. Um, yes, that's not the pastor can't disciple everyone in the church. It's not his calling, uh, mm -hmm. right? It's his calling to equip us so we can go see people come, come to know on. the Lord, be believers, and then disciple them. You know, hey, read your Bible, follow the Lord, and grow on these things. Yeah, we miss that a lot of times. I think, man, it's like the ministry offices of the church. That, yeah, that's what that's what Paul said that we're supposed to be there for is to equip, to empower the saints, like all of the saints, the the right. the, the church, the body of Christ, to do the work of the ministry, right? And yeah, so my my responsibility as a disciple of Jesus, it goes beyond 
just you know bringing my friends to to church or just saying hey talk to you know my pastor or whatever maybe it starts there you know yeah. and, and i don't think there's anything there's anything wrong with that but no, i do think all. that it's it's an area of um of growth in our discipleship journey with jesus that i think it's it's supposed to be just such a natural outflow you know i think it's what we see in the in the book of acts we see it with the early church how people came and they got connected and they got changed and they got transformed and they knew what it was to belong. And then it was just kind of like the natural outflow of that is I need to tell other people. I need to bring other people mm -hmm. into this. I need to talk about how good God is and others. And I do think that we, that so many of us and so often we can just be so, so lazy and just kind of, kind of sit back and wait for somebody else to do the work of the ministry. It's like, no, like, I don't care what your, what your title is, your occupation, you know, your yeah. skill set, your gifting, whatever you're called to minister. You're called to be a minister as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, what, yeah. what does discipleship look like to you just in terms of daily, just being with people in practical ways as you're meeting people and making disciples um, what, what does it kind of look like to you? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I know a lot of people sometimes I think will overlay it with like evangelism, right. Of how do I, how do I share yeah. Jesus with somebody? Um, so to me, discipleship is relationship, right? When you look, Jesus spent three years with his disciples. They ate together. They, they walked together. It wasn't always doing a Bible study. They did life together. And so to me, discipleship is, am I inviting people into my home? You know, it's, it's, we forget Jesus invited people to do life with him. Right. And I think a lot of times we can be overwhelmed. My schedule's too busy. I don't have time for this. What we do when we now invite people to do it with us, you know, I, I go to the gym at five o'clock in the morning. I have two guys I bring with me because my membership allows it. And so that's, that's discipleship. It's two young guys from my church. Yeah. And we go and we spend time together. We talk about marriage. We pray together. Um, we, we do life together. Um, we have people over for dinner. Uh, we had a student come over I met with. And, you know, we, I was doing dishes and talking with them because life doesn't go on halt because I'm doing ministry. Um, right? So they're, they're coming into my house. They're seeing how I interact with my kids. And uh, we've, we've probably had a bigger impact on people just by being around them and them around us than any words we've said, you know, cause they can see us living out following Jesus. And so mm. I think discipleship really is when it comes down to it, I'm living an open life in front of people of my walk with Jesus. And so, mm. you know, I'm kind of echoing, right. Follow me as I follow Christ. Right. And as you build that relationship with people, which isn't always spiritual, it's real world things, it's real world issues. It's, it's giving time, which is the only resource we can't get more of, right? And giving people my time and saying, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be with you. And now I've built this rapport where as things come up, I now have authority to speak into their life because I've, I've earned their trust. Uh, they've seen me live it out. And so now you can get those, you know, occasional late night conversations that go deeper into the spiritual realm, uh, help them growing closer to Christ and, and practical applications but they've gleaned off so much just by watching you pray with your kids and apologize to your kids when you mess up mm -hmm. um, and live a life that says, I'm not perfect, but I'm following the perfect person. And I'm uh, yeah. striving to just reflect him. 
Love it, man. So good. I didn't know we were going to, well, I didn't know what we were going to talk about. I didn't, I didn't know we were going to talk about discipleship, but I'm, I'm into it. Let's roll with yeah. it. Uh, it I, I didn't make this up. I heard somebody say this in a, in a message. I don't remember who it was, but they said, um, and maybe several people have said it, but they said that talking about the disciples, they said that the disciples belonged before they believed. And I thought that was such a powerful statement. And it was Jesus invited them into, as you said, his life. And so he's encountering Andrew and Philip and Peter. And he's like, hey, come and follow me. You know, it's like, yeah. drop, drop, drop your nets, you know, leave behind what you're doing and come and follow me. And there was there was the I, I, don't, I don't know if it was for all. Well, with some of them, you see some hesitation. You see some questions like, yeah, you know, <laughs> some of them are asking some questions like, well, like, does anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, that whole thing. And, <laughs> right, right. and there's, there is some hesitation there, but but they're kind of there. Some of them are getting called by Jesus. And then some of them are going and they're finding their friends and their brothers and saying, hey, come with me. I, I, I met yeah. this guy, you know, and, and it's just this this journey, this relational journey. But it starts with Jesus inviting these these young men into his life and they start following him and, and they, they become a part of this this group where they're yeah. disciples of Jesus. But it's a ongoing process of them discovering who he is and them discovering what they believe about him. It's it's an ongoing thing. I mean, they get to the the end. They, they get all the way up to the end, to the to the crucifixion, and they still don't get like they still don't yeah. really know what's happening. And so right. they get scattered and they get offended and all of that stuff happens because they didn't understand everything. It was a process of believing, but it started off with him welcoming them into his life, into his crew, so to speak, and just, you know, come come and follow me. I think that that's such a powerful thing. And um, yeah, again, I, I think that when discipleship, as you're as you're mentioning, it becomes normal and practical as just part of our lives that uh, that that's when we're really going to see um, that that multiplication that we're supposed to see, you know, based on yeah. the the plan of Jesus that he left behind for his disciples. Um, wh what do you think? You know, you mentioned a couple of things already. You mentioned having people over for dinner. You mentioned having conversations while you're washing the dishes. And I love the statement that you said that um, life doesn't get put on hold just because you're 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 doing ministry, right? Yeah. And what would you say is is maybe one or two things are that are just like a practical way that somebody who maybe is not living that kind of a lifestyle of just openness of discipleship of inviting people into their into their lives like that um what would you say is something practical like a practical way that that somebody could kind of get started and to say you know what let me open my life up in a way that maybe i haven't before um what are just some yeah. ways that you kind of see that happening in daily life with people yeah no that's awesome i would i would say first um you know in in your own life if there's areas of just disobedience, right? Blatant, blatant sin. You're not going to want to open up your life. And so this is a time to say, okay, maybe I need someone in my life who I need to be being discipled by, right? To, to grow. Um, so it's not like come hang out with me while I'm doing shots and like, right. yeah, you're not going to all go to the bar together and, and have, yeah, you know, drink therapy, um, discipling, right? That's not what Jesus did. 
Um, right. And so I, I would say it first starts with like, if you want to disciple, ask yourself, am I a disciple? Am mm-hmm. I following Jesus? Because we're, we're held to a much higher standard as, as pastors, as people, right? If I'm leading others to sin, um, right, it's, it's worse for me than those that I'm leading. And if I'm discipling somebody, the, the sin habits in my life that people see, right, they might think are okay. And so there, there's a weight to sharing your life and saying, follow me as I follow Jesus. You, you better be following Jesus. And it doesn't mean you're perfect, mm. but it means you're following, right? And so first you got to start there. Um, but if, if you're in that area and you're saying, okay, now I, how do I do this? I'm uncomfortable. I, maybe I'm an introvert, uh, which is me to a T. Um, so I like the one-on-one. I try not, you know, big group settings. I'm usually playing with the kids, um, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of uh, just a weird thing. But but when you have that one-on-one conversation, it's it's typically with people you're already connected with. Um, you know, don't feel like you got to go out of your way to that person that you're like, man, I just, I don't even stand this person. Now, at some point, God's probably going to work on you, right? And uh, because there's there's things in you. But discipleship is easy because it's, it's the, who am I already around? Who am I already connected with? And can I just invite them in and be listening for the Lord to present an opportunity where maybe it goes a little deeper, um, right? I start thinking of others first. And when a friend is, is sharing about a problem, you listen, and then you come in with some scripture or to pray a little bit, um, or you realize, um, hey, you know, maybe, maybe we agree as a family every Thursday night or every third Wednesday, our home mm. is going to be open and we can just have a rolling invite, right? So now it's now it's something that's planned and scheduled um, because I know that the, the one thing my wife doesn't enjoy is I'm very quick to say, oh, we'll have you over for dinner, you know, and well, I'm not the one making dinner, right? My wife's making dinner and the groceries and the kids right. and, and all this stuff. So it's got to be something if you're married that you're, you know, as a spouse team are in agreement with, Um where you're saying we're opening up our home, right? I can't just show up every night with other people and my wife's not not on board with it. That's not going to be sure. a good, a sure. good husband. Um, so I think it, it's it's finding those ways you can incorporate. If you're a single person, just just be extra intentional of what, what do I like to do? Who likes to do those things that I know and invite them, you know? That's good. And uh, you'll, you'll be amazed just spending time with people, even if you just say, hey, let's, what can we pray about, right? If they're already a believer, what can we pray about? And you start praying together. Um, it's amazing how much deeper that, that friendship can go because now it's, it's spiritual. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I would just also add, um, I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in, you know, guys discipling guys and girls discipling girls. Um, you know, especially if you're married. Uh, but I think even if you're single, um, there's just going to be things that'll come up especially in today's society that are going to be healthier to talk about if, um, you know, you don't end up dating someone <laughs> through the process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I love, uh, I love meeting people and then, you know, saying like, like, Hey, you should really talk to my wife about this. She's great at that. You know, <laughs> like I love, <laughs> time, yeah, I love I, making know, that connection. Yeah. You know, when you're, you're trying to, to set it up and, and I get it, life, life is busy, you know, but it's less busy mm-hmm. if you have people, join in what you're doing um it's hard if i don't meet with people and a lot of my students i tell them uh because my family comes first hey i'm free before 7 a.m any day you can meet with me or after nine o'clock at night you know that's when my kids are in bed and we plan it um we also 
my wife and I every Thursday night, unless we agree, it's a night that no one comes over. That is so we can have our own time um, because it's, it can be very easy to just open up your life so much so that your marriage mm. gets impacted or your family gets impacted. Right. So really right. take inventory of, um, you know, if you're married, it's, it's your spouse first and then it's your kids and then it's other people. You know, Jesus hasn't called us to um, throw all of that away in the name of, of seeing one person grow closer to the Lord. Um, yes. Yeah. Love it, man. Um, love everything about what you just said. One, one of the things that I'm hearing you say is that the process of discipleship, as far as making disciples, that it's not something that happens auto like it's not something that happens by accident it's not something that happens without intention so what i'm hearing you say is that it can become so natural that it's not difficult it's not complicated it's not something even really extra that you have to do because you can invite people into your life and disciple people as a process of life but it does not happen without intentionality right yes. so it can almost feel you know, when <laughs> it could almost feel sometimes like, oh, this person just kind of came into my life where it almost happened by accident. But the only reason that that happened is because you were intentional about your role as a disciple to begin with. And so yeah. uh, I really love what you're saying there about the practicality of just daily living that lifestyle as a disciple of Jesus Christ where you know somebody comes into your life and uh and you have the opportunity to show them that way J just as far as and this might be different for every single person do you have any wisdom on how many <laughs> like how many disciples can one person handle at a time i'm not talking about in a church setting where right, it's right. your job to run a discipleship ministry but is this but discipleship is one on one often or as you mentioned, you know, you have two guys that go with you to the gym. And so it's kind of like one on two a couple people at the same time. Right. I feel like there's there's environments where you can, you know, kind of engage with more than one person at the same time, especially if you're doing some kind of activity where you're all on board with it and, you know, you're building relationship that way. So much of relationship and discipleship overlaps, you know, yeah. but yeah, just just in terms of I don't know, like practicality. Do you have any thoughts or wisdom on that? On like how many people <laughs> you can have yeah. in your life at one time that you could actually be taking on that role as as uh, you know discipling that person? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great point. Um, uh, Jesus had twelve uh, <laughs> close ones, right? He sent out. I mean, there was yeah. seventy, right? He had seventy <laughs> disciples. He sent out. Uh, so there are many followers, but he had 12 very close ones. And within that 12, he had three even closer. And so I think practically there's probably, you know, uh, the same way you should have probably like three best friends, right? It's probably the most people can manage of who do I go to? Who do I share stuff with? I think three is a, a solid number of who am I intentionally trying to meet? Um, but start with one and, and see how that goes. You know, I think it's, it's different and I, going to try to tie it into what you were saying about the intentionality of fitting people into your life. You know, I shared that right at, I didn't even graduate college yet. And I started with college ministry. Mm -hmm. um, so my life has been shaped around ministry. And so I understand a lot of people who don't have that, right? They're not Sunday mornings when we, when COVID first hit and church was canceled, it was like, 
how do we even save people? Having two full days on a weekend was like, I have so much time, right? And so if, if your life hasn't been around ministry, you got to take inventory of how many shows on Hulu and Netflix am I watching? And like, where is my time being spent right. that right. I could maybe take it out, right? And now I've got to do some assessment on, well, where can that come from? Um, and so I think looking at a lot of that, you know, one to three people is probably a good number. Um, I think you can do things in larger groups if everyone kind of knows each other. And as it grows, uh, there's two different paths, right? You can intentionally be discipling where, where both people are like, hey, let's, let's enter into this. I want to learn from you, mm-hmm. right? And now you can do almost like a, a small group thing. You can meet together. Um, but then there's other ones where you're just like, and this person, they go to church. I don't even know if they know Jesus. So I'm just going to disciple them without them knowing, right? I'm going to live, I'm going to invite them into my life because, right? To just be like, I want to disciple you. They're going to freak people out unless right. unless they're walking with the Lord. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't know these Christianese words. And so you might be able to fit be like, more. you pronounce yeah. discipline weird. Like, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I don't think I want this. Yeah. yeah. And so I think I think we need to be aware that, you know, it depends where the people are at that we're trying to influence and grow and disciple. Yeah. Um, I can open up my life to a bunch of people and say, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do this, right? Maybe my kids, and we tell all my kids this, you know, why do we do sports? We do sports because it's fun, but we want to glorify God. And so we're going to be friends with teammates. We're going to invite people over and eventually invite them to church, right? We want to build a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so this is like the first level of let's see who do I connect with? what other parents of my kids or other people in my church or in my work do I naturally gravitate towards? And they naturally gravitate mm-hmm. towards these things that I'm doing. And maybe that's a good candidate to start discipling that person. But if you're trying to pick someone and the schedules are, they work nights and you work days and, you know, all of a sudden you're like, well, I guess we could meet in three months. Probably not the right person for you to be discipling. And so there's a lot mm-hmm. of things moving on, you know, what factor into that. But I think if your heart is, I want a disciple, start with one and figure it out. And the Lord's going to give you opportunity. You know, you're going to start seeing those moments where you can cut this out or, you know, maybe you really do like a show and you find out there's a couple of people that like it. Invite them over and be like, oh, if we're going to watch TV, if you watch it with me, right, we, conversations happen between commercials or afterwards. And so now things that are, you know, really big time killers could still be adding value into someone's life because you're there for them in moments bro i feel like that answer you gave was just so perfect like I, <laughs> I thought it was so complete and and uh I, I feel like you you beautifully answered that question i love what you said there start with one you know yeah. like, the, like don't start in the place where it's like how many do i have to disciple or how many can i fit into my life like that can get overwhelming yeah. Right. And and so and I, I think, you know, sometimes we're trying to put the cart before the hor- before the horse is like, yo, just just start with one. And I, I think just that willingness, right, that you're talking about, that willingness to open up your life and to just say, I don't know where this is going to go, Lord, but I'm going to I'm going to give this part of my life to you as an offering. And I'm, I'm just going to allow you to to use this, you know, and, and I think yeah. sometimes we could be we could be a little bit fearful of that kind of stuff sometimes of like. Uh, like, what if this person tries to take too much from me? You know, there there are people that that you can get connected to that become like time suckers, that become, 
you know, they, they, they just want to get connected. You know, it's like hard to shake them kind of a thing. Yeah. And, and I just think even with that kind of stuff, it's like, you know what, um, you know, and, and there is a time like, I, you know, to set boundaries and stuff like that as well. Absolutely. Um, but I, you know, I think that just, even if there's some of those kind of fears in your mind or thoughts of like, where could this go? I'm not sure. And there's that uncertainty. It's like, Hey, just like, just show God your willingness to say, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to start, I'm going to start with one and then uh, just, you know, see what he does with it. You know, I think that you're not going to necessarily be discipling that person for the next 50 years. It might be for yeah, a few months, it might be just for a season or, you know, it's whatever. seasons. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's seasons. It's, um, you know, for how long they're in your life. And for some people, they can still be in your life, but you're not discipling them anymore because right. things things have shifted and that's okay. Um, and I think that just popped in my head that I think is a really awesome idea for people that have houses with spare bedrooms or different things like that. We've, we've had families in our church open up their homes for international students for Thanksgiving and Christmas and incredible relationships get formed where they're able to right it's a godly family influencing new believers um yeah. or people who aren't really sure what's going on and they get a chance to just shower the love of christ on on someone because they're yeah. already hosting thanksgiving right is it is one feeding one more person a lot of work not not really is is letting them stay in a spare bedroom a lot of work uh, you might have to clean it before they get there right but just just little <laughs> right. things like that where we look around and there's there's areas in our life where it's perfect opportunities to just invite someone in and say okay maybe i'll disciple for three days right or just today i'm going to open up my home and say hey come join us i'm great at hosting um mm -hmm. and just let the lord move and um you know i think they're they know us they know that we're christians by our love um mm. by our generosity by these things and are we are we willing to to show that uh to people yeah it's so good um, one of the other things that has been coming up in this podcast a few times already has been, well, you said something right at the beginning about not sacrificing your family on the altar of ministry. And then it's yeah. come up a few times as we've been talking about this discipleship process and how it looks in daily life and things like making sure that your spouse and you are, are on the same page, you know, that, if, that your spouse is on board with how you're going about, you know, doing these things and, and all of that. And, uh, that's such a big deal, man. It's such a big uh, piece of ministry. It's it's such it's such a big not not piece of ministry. I, I said that wrong. Um, it's something that happens so often, of course, in with everybody. But it's something that happens so often with with ministers. Um, yeah. Is that you know we can deceive ourselves into thinking that what we're doing is so epic and so important and like you know what I mean. Like we can fool ourselves into thinking that. People can't survive without us, uh, that yeah. the ministry, you know, needs all of my time or all of this or all of that. And then what happens is that we end up neglecting the 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 number one, you know, like the top the top stewardship priorities that the Lord has given to us, which, as you mentioned, yeah. you know, your spouse and your children, of course, God. Right. But yeah, God, not denying that. But like, you know, so often in the pursuit of trying to be pleasing to God and trying to do the best that we can, very often with very good intentions, we can neglect the the things that are the most valuable, the relationships that are the most important. And anytime that we're neglecting the relationships that God has given us to steward, 
for the sake of working for God or working for the kingdom or working for the ministry or whatever, yeah. although those are great things and they're necessary things and they've got to be a big part of our lives that if we're neglecting the stewardship of the relationships that God has given to us, uh, then uh, we have a problem and we've, we've got to, we've got to come back. We've got to reevaluate yeah. and recognize that, you know, I'm doing something wrong here. This is not the right way to do this. And, um, you know, obviously for their benefit, but, <laughs> but for the, for your benefit, for our benefit as well, yeah. you know, making sure that our relationships are, are intact and that we've, you know, like it, it's so silly, man, because everything that God has called us to do, it's all about, it's all about people. Yeah. It's all about people. It's, of course, it's all about God, but it's, it's all about people. It's really all about relationship and yeah, man. So often, like for the sake of the stuff that I got to do right now, the stuff that I got to get done, I can so easily just get to that point where I'm putting relationship building and these other things that really matter so much more on hold, um, you know, for the sake of like being productive or yeah. whatever. It's come up a few times in our conversation already. So I was just wondering if you could, uh, yeah, just share some thoughts, wisdom. On that. Yeah, no, I, I would say second to uh discipleship relationship is is huge um my yeah. wife and i have been the lord gave us a vision about a decade ago and we're hoping to see it uh fulfilled soon is a, a ministry called intent which would help people be intentional in their relationship as, as singles in their courtships in their marriage and in their parenting um but focusing first on you know um intentionality of when you are dating, like almost premarital counseling for when you start dating, right? Of trying to get these things figured out because the biggest thing we learned and we struggled with it the first couple of years of marriage as we're doing ministry and we see, you know, our time not being as available as all of our friends who weren't in church or weren't in as involved in ministry. And you kind of start, you know, having a pity party. And the Lord so clearly spoke to my wife and I and said, um, marriage isn't about you and your spouse. It's about me. Right. God brings two people together to give him more glory than if you two were separate. Mm. And so I think a lot of it comes down to in your marriage, it's finding what, what was, why did God bring us together? What is our call? It doesn't mean we have to go start a church or lead a ministry, but how sure. do we as husband and wife glorify God more than if we did it separately? <laughs> and and when you come to that, right, you, you have a whole different perspective on why am I doing what I'm doing? Why are we opening up our home? Why am I letting people come in? Um, it's not because I'm supposed to have a great marriage. Now that that's a benefit of it, but I'm supposed to glorify God. Yes. Um, you know, and so with that, we, we have found um, it's a great reset. You start getting stressed, you start feeling burned out. Um, how are we glorifying God? Not me as an individual, but how are we? Because we're one. You know, Jesus didn't give ministry as an example of um, our salvation. He gave marriage an example of the bride and the groom, right? Of of being forever with him. And so marriage is, is so important. And I think a lot of people need to reassess if everything else is thriving, but your marriage isn't, um, shift these priorities around because it's not that ministry is not important, but, but God's called you to be with your spouse for a reason. Um, mm. 
The other thing that I think can get in the way, and I struggled with it again for a couple of years of ministry, is a, a savior complex. You know, you talked about it. Well, I need to be there. I need to talk to this person. What if, what if they are doing this? And all of a sudden you feel like, you know, Jesus can't get it done if I'm not there. And it just becomes a lot of pride. And, and some of it's the FOMO, right? What if I miss out on God doing something in their life? And learning, you know, again, my marriage is what God called me to first, not my ministry. And there are people um, that need Jesus. They don't need me, right? They don't right. need my wife. They don't need this right. ministry. They need Jesus. And he is more than capable of, um, of speaking to them if they're seeking him. And uh, Chip Ingram had an awesome sermon, and he was sharing about a guy coming to his church and, you know, needing to meet with him because his life was falling apart. And he said, I got to leave. My son's got a basketball game. It's an hour away. And the guy said, but I'm here. And he said, well, there are five pastors upstairs who can help you, but there's only one Hmm. father for my son. Um, Yeah. Right. And so when we recognize, like, there's only one spouse for my spouse. There's only one parent for my child. And ministry, there are a lot of people laboring for God's kingdom. Thank goodness for that, right? We need more laborers. But I can't, I can't substitute as I'm the only one that can do this ministry need. There's other people. That's, that's why the body of Christ exists. And so I think it's, it's if our priority is ministry over family, uh, you know, talk to your pastors or if your pastor figure out some time to say, how do I reassess? How do I... Uh, reevaluate the priorities mm-hmm. that I have um, because I, I think for the longest time we've just seen you know a decay in the church right the divorce rate is I think almost the same as in the world um, and I don't yeah. I don't think it's because we're pursuing ministry I think we're not pursuing the Lord we're not pursuing mm-hmm. how do we glorify him right we want to yeah just kind of yeah. have our church on the side yeah. um Right, you're a really good Christian if you go to church on Sundays. You're you're like a super Christian if you're involved in ministry, um, <laughs> and it's like no, we're all just supposed to be disciples of Jesus. We're all supposed to be yes. following Him, and our marriage should be. People should look at our marriage and go, "Man, God is awesome." Right, like there should be this thriving because that's what He's created marriage to be: this magical representation of unconditional love. Um, and if we if we drift from that, priorities will start to to fall apart and. Um, you know, I had read a book called Point Man that compared being a father and a husband to leading a platoon through Vietnam. And uh, <laughs> as, as well as you lead your family, right, is life or death. And it was a yeah. book was written before men's ministry was a thing, but it really spoke to a lot of those things that, you know, have been on mm-hmm. my heart. And now I try to share with others of like, and you can't, you know, there's no title at work. There's no position in ministry. There's there's nothing that's going to be worth more than your spouse and your kids. Well, um, you know, and we only have our kids for so long, you know, how many PKs, right. Pastors, kids, right. Um, didn't feel like they didn't have a father sometimes because ministry right. yeah. always came first and yeah, and it's easy to do, right. It's, it's exciting because man, Jesus is moving in this person's life and I got to be there. But the, you know, the, the people that Lord called us to first and foremost, you know, as our spouse and our kids, and and we can't neglect them and think we're accomplishing something for the kingdom. So good. I I was really blessed when I uh, first moved here to where I'm at now. I'm in Mobile, Alabama, and I've been um, a pastor in the church here for a number of years. I was really blessed when I I came here because something that 
um, my uh, my senior pastor, we call him Bishop, uh, but our senior pastor, something that he was he was very very adamant and uh, and helpful in the area of you know just like my wife and I being okay, you know, be, being good and having yeah. time to spend together and stuff like that. And he would just, he would just periodically w- without me saying anything, asking about anything, like he would just periodically just call me into his office and be like, um, I want to pay for a hotel room for you guys for, you know, for tonight, um, you know, take your wife and get out of here. And, you know, if you need to make some phone calls and, um, handle some, you know, get someone else to cover for you in, in a particular, you know, ministry assignment or whatever, like, like go for it um or even you know or even more simply just uh you know take your wife to the movies or whatever and and yeah. one of the things that i felt like uh can't, was coming up for me so often um in my in my little bit earlier on in in uh ministry after we had moved here where i was kind of on this journey of like really learning how to hear god's voice mm. right and uh, just in daily life, and I ended up uh, ended up writing a book about it years later. But but one of the things that God would speak to me about so regularly, um, not like daily, but but something that I I would hear God speak to me um, often was in relationship or in relation to my relationship with my wife. Yeah, and um, He would say things like, "Your wife, um, like your wife, your wife needs you," you know, just like. Your, your wife needs you to take her on a date tonight, like little things like that, where it just showed me, well, first of all, I was in this process of learning how to hear God speak and just to kind of trust God in those, in those moments where yeah. it's like, oh, but I'm so busy right now. Like, oh, but I have this to do. Like, oh, we don't, our finances are not that great right now. Like do, you know, but just kind of like trusting God in those moments where he speaks and, you know, first of all, learning to be more confident in just the the mundanity of life and hearing the voice of God. But what I found out is that that something that was so heavy on God's heart for me was my family, my yeah. wife and my kids. And and so, you know, he would speak to me about that often because it again, it would just reveal to me so much about his heart just for us. Yeah. And uh That's... yeah, I'm 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 wondering, man, like what are what are some things that have been helpful for you guys um, just in your marriage and with your family as far as staying on track and keeping these things in their right place? Yeah. I mean, we're still growing every, every moment in that, Um, you know, for my wife and I getting our kids to bed early is nice to have some hours to not just clean up the house and and get things ready for the next day, but have time together, you know, to Mm -hmm. read a book, play games, just, just, just connect, you know, we can, we can feel tension built up when it's been four or five days of cohabitating, right? You got right. Kids, you're rushing here, you're doing work. And then it's like, wait, we haven't actually talked. We haven't had any quality time. Um, you know, we've, we've given each other permission. We've read the five love languages and, and we'll ask, how's your love tank? You know, and just, mm. you can be honest, right? It's, it's very humbling when my wife says, yeah. I'm on E, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm on E and I, I, I don't, I feel like we haven't really you know, yeah. spent any time together. And so, you know, I'm not perfect at uh, making sure her love tank is always full. I'm always trying to grow on that. Sure. But what we are, what we are good at is always talking about it. We've got a, a clear line of communication to uh, not take offense when 
the other spouse says, hey, I'm feeling on E. You know, I feel like I don't have the time there. And um, I've asked my kids too, hey, what can I do better? Right, what, what you know, because work gets in the way or ministry does get in the way at times. You know, hey, let's be intentional. Let's go play catch. Let's go um, color together. Let's go do these things. And, you know, giving them a voice to say, hey, from your, from your point of view, how am I doing mm-hmm. as your dad? Um, yeah. You know, it's, wow. it's a lot of humility because kids are unfiltered. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and so doing that, it's um, trying to plan. We've got a couple couples we've done this every couple of years and it drifts and falls apart, but we'll swap kid kids to go on date nights, you know? So now mm. we're not paying for a babysitter. You got two or three Great. kids, they all get along and it's like, Hey, drop your kids off for a couple hours, go out and have fun. Right. We'll watch the kids. And then next yeah. month, you know, we'll rotate it through. So finding ways where it doesn't have to break the bank, um, you know, is, has really been big for us and just being intentional with asking, you know, what, what do you like? What do you want? I think so many times we assume I should know we've been married for a decade. We've been married for whatever, right? Like just ask because, you know, my wife's favorite flowers when we got married were Gerber daisies. They're not anymore. Um, <laughs> right. Like things change. And so it's like, it's yeah. okay to just ask, what would you like to do? You know, my wife um, and our Evernote app, I've got an, an Amanda list. She put in there her favorite candies, what she would like to do. So I can look in there and plan a spontaneous date and I don't blow it because when I don't check the list, you know, and I try to do something, it's like, oh, well, that's not my favorite anymore. <laughs> well, this, um, yeah. you know, so, so doing those, those types of things um, and really trying to covet, you know, like I said, our, our Thursday nights, or we, we really try to say, hey, there are some nights that just are non-negotiable. Like it's, it's family mm. first. We try to always yeah. have dinner together at a table before rushing out. We've reassessed what kind of travel sports our kids do because we see it starts pulling us away where it's go, go, go. And it's like, at the end of the day, they're not going to be an athlete in the NFL or the MLB. Why would I sacrifice my dinners? Right. You know what I mean? To, to run right. around. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's finding all of those balances. And I think you got to communicate because everyone receives love differently, gives love differently and can feel the different pressures of life differently. Yeah. But you got to just talk about it. Uh, mm-hmm. We also try, um, we didn't do so well last year, but uh, we used to try to always read a book on relationship or leadership, always go to a conference on marriage or leadership and ministry um, on parenting. So we always try at least once a year to hit a conference on something, um, you know, instead of waiting for the car to break down, routine checkups. So hmm. going to those things that say, this is going to invest into our marriage. This is going to teach us on parenting. This is going to... Um, teach us on ministry and always, always try to be growing and willing to grow. That's so good, man. Oh, I love it. I love how practical that was. And, uh, you know, I think there obviously a big point there was communication. And the other yeah. thing that's coming across there and what you're saying is kind of like that process of re of, of reassessing and reevaluating and recognizing that, you know, what, what worked last season might not work in this season. And so being willing yeah. to make those adjustments and and then, you know, maybe even realizing we're, we're trying this and it's hasn't worked. Like it just it doesn't work to do it this way. Recognizing that, you know what, I'm not I'm not living up to the standard in this area. I'm, I'm not following through enough on this area and being willing to have that communication where, you know, you can recognize where those 
pain points are, where those blind spots mm -hmm. are. And, and then you can reassess and reevaluate as a couple or as a family and say, okay, let's, let's do things differently or let's try something like, let's try something else. I don't know if this is going to work or not, but try. let's try it. And I, yeah. and I, I, you know, I think that willingness to not get it hundred percent right, but to just say like, yeah, I think this is going to be a good thing for us. Let's try it. And then we'll see if it works in this season and then reassess. And if not, then we'll, 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 we'll try something else or we'll go back to the way it was or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I love the, I love the intentionality of uh, <laughs> having the list in your phone of go-to things of things oh, that you know that that's yeah. gonna, that, that are going to hit well. That's so cool. Because yeah, when we started dating and I think the first couple of years of our marriage, I think every birthday and Christmas, my wife cried because she would have these high expectations and I would just come way under. Oh, um, I mean, it was bad. I am not, uh, was, uh, there's been a lot of growth um, on my end and a lot of uh, degrowth on my wife's end of just getting some expectations down. You know, not everything can be this Hollywood moment. Um you know, so so again, being able to talk and have some humility because uh, we can both, husband and wife, build up these expectations of what the anniversary is going to look like or what the holiday is going to look like. Um, and sometimes it's just easier. It doesn't mean I love you less if you have to tell me, here's what I want. Um, you know, but you got to be able to to understand and still put in effort. It doesn't, I don't get a playbook of how to do it. I get ideas and still have to put some thought into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have a, a list? So you have the Amanda list. Do you have a list of things don't don't do? Like don't ever do? <laughs> like don't ever you I probably don't have to. I mean I've added like not this candy anymore, you know, or different things yeah, yeah, where yeah. I've just, you know, you try to to do something and it's like, okay, not salted caramels, just chocolate caramels. I didn't even know there was a difference. Um, you know, but I could be prideful and be like, Well, I got you something and then decide to never get her candy again, or I could take it to heart write it down because i don't always remember and then yeah make sure to, to pay attention yeah. right yeah yeah no it's so good and it, it's something that i think men a lot of men struggle with in general and women do it too i think but but i i don't know I, i've seen it more with men is the the pursuit you know so we'll we'll pursue we'll pursue her while she's our girlfriend you know mm -hmm. while she's our fiance and then maybe the beginning of the marriage, but then we kind of, we can settle in and then the pursuing stops and it just becomes, you know, kind of business as usual. Yeah. And then the, you know, the passion can fade and like different things can, can just kind of get in the way. And just, I, I, I love what you're saying there as this intentionality behind, let me continue to you know, look for things that are going to surprise my wife. Yeah. Let me continue to look for things. Let me continue to go out of my way and to do things that are going to just brighten up her day. You know, things like yeah. that, that again, you, you mentioned earlier, even in the process of discipleship, people are seeing your marriage, people are seeing your relationship and, and for them to be able to see the goodness of God on display through your marriage, you said something that's so powerful where you said, you know, God wants to be glorified. The goal of our marriage should be for God to be glorified because in our coming together, two have become one and our coming together and uniting together in marriage, yeah. in Christ, then God can actually be more glorified, you know, in us as a, yeah. as a married couple than, than individually. Uh, and so putting the glory of God, the goodness of God on display 
and just showing how good God is. We don't do that when we're disconnected from each other, you know, but living yeah. and, and maintaining, being intentional about maintaining that connection. I, I love that you, uh, that you shared that it's so good. It's, it's powerful. And, uh, it's something that we can very, very easily, I think, overlook. There's times where my wife will look at me and she'll be like, this hasn't, ha hasn't happened in a while. So I'm, I'm good. I'm glad. Yeah. But, but she, uh, several times in our marriage where she's looked at me and she's just said to me, I feel like I'm your roommate. Yeah. I know what it means. You know, I know, I know yeah. exactly what it means. It means, okay, I'm not, uh, I'm not following through on some stuff and I'm, I'm allowing distance to get between us, not because I'm, you know, out doing anything to intentionally hurt her, but with the busyness of life and taking care of the kids and taking care of the ministry and taking care of the the business, the job, whatever, that mm -hmm. that distance has grown between us and we're not connecting, we're not communicating as well as we should be. And so, okay, yeah, humility that you mentioned, it's such a big, yeah, such a big part of this too. And recognizing when you have to make adjustments and being willing to to re to real to admit to yourself, to your spouse, to your kids. I, I haven't been doing the best on this and, you know, I, help me, help me find out how I can do better. You know? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's tough. Uh, one of the saving graces in our, in our marriage is we both love the Lord more than each other. And so at the end of the day, I don't, you know, my wife's love tank is, is filled by Jesus. Right. Um, and so that's where that grace comes in, but we're still human. We're not Jesus. We're not perfect. And so we are going to run out of patience. We are going to run out of these things and have these conversations, but um, you know, life is a current and if we're not doing anything active, we're going to drift. And, um, mm. so you don't have to have ill will towards your spouse to drift in your marriage. Um, you just don't have to be intentional and you're going to drift. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Um, well, Tom, appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for, for doing this with me. Thanks for your time. Yeah, I've enjoyed kind of get to get a little glimpse into your life and, ministry and family and all of that. So I really, really appreciate you just everything you shared for sharing your heart and thank you for all that you are doing uh, for the kingdom and uh, just appreciate you, man. Yeah, you too. Love you guys and, uh, and what you're doing and um, yeah, anytime in the future, you know, maybe in a year, catch up on uh, where we're at with fostering. Keep us in prayers for that. Yeah. And, uh, we'll be, we'll be keeping uh, you and your family in prayers as well. Thank you, man. Yeah. Uh, the on fostering and adopting. I mean, <laughs> I think that that's the like one of the highest forms of discipleship there is, you know, you bring a child into your home and yeah. uh, and whether we call it, you know, we probably wouldn't call it discipleship, but but, you know, you're bringing a child into your home and you're, you know, you're just you're opening your life to them. You're sharing your life with them. You're sharing Jesus with them. And um, you know, giving them a place of home and family and belonging. Yeah. And it's just, uh, that's such a beautiful thing. I, I really, I really congratulate you guys. I think that, um, anybody that does that, that anybody that opens up their life to that extent is just a, a mega hero in my book. And, uh, I, I really appreciate you guys for doing that. And, you know, one of the things I've been talking about this a little bit here and there, you know, over the next several years with this, with the overturn of, of Roe v. Wade. And I know it's a, you know, state by state thing. There's going to be differences depending on what state you're in yeah. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the foster care system over the next several years is 
probably going to be bursting at the seams as it already is. Yeah. Um, you know, more, more kids than homes by far. And, you know, it's just going to be growing and expanding. So I'm just, I'm encouraging people as much as possible to, you know, consider that as, as an yeah. option for their life and for their family is to, uh, you know, consider, consider becoming a foster parents. Um, because this is a church, a church problem. I mean, I rejoice that, that, that decision was made, Absolutely, um, you know, absolutely. Um, but, uh, it's a, it's not the kind of thing for us to sit back and say like, well, oh, you know, you know what I mean? To sit back right. and take a, a judgmental or condemnational stance to it. It's like, no, like this is, this is something yeah. that it's always been a church issue, I think, but, but even, even more so now, I think it's an opportunity for the people of God to really step up and to, to absolutely. stand for, for truth and justice, but also for compassion, you know, and to, yep. and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, to take on the, the, these, these problems of our society, um, in a really, really practical way. So anyway, I'm rambling, yeah. but I, but I, I, I love that. To, uh, man. I love that you're doing it. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just say with that, uh, in closing here. So we're actually reading a book by Francis Chan on marriage called marriage in light of eternity. And, okay. um, we got through like the first chapter, and it just wrecked us because it was all again about you don't have time to fight in your marriage because you got to glorify God. Uh, so you got to deal with these things. But he he went right into, you know, we spend so much time asking God, what's your will? And uh, and he brought up taking care of orphans and widows. And he's like, it's yes. very clear that that is God's will. He actually yes. tells us already. And he's like, so we shouldn't be praying. Is it your will? We should be saying, mm -hmm. am I am I not supposed to do that? Right is this not your will for me, but let yeah. me take steps moving yeah. in your will. And so that convicted us in our hearts. We had always felt and talked about fostering, but never really moved on it. Mm. And so we said, you know what, Lord, it is your will and we're going to move. And if it's not your will for us, you'll slow it down or stop it. Um, but we're going to, we're going to move. And we had heard a statistic. If one family in every church in America fostered um, or adopted, there would no longer be a need for a foster care system. So, I mean, just one family, you know, there's, I think, three or four families in our church that are, are fostering and have adopted. And, wow. and so you think about that and you say, the church could literally solve this tomorrow. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so it's, yeah, no, it's, it's easier said than done. It is not easy to yeah. open up your home. It's, it's, you know, going through a 10 week course was uh, talk about finding time in your life. Uh, that was yeah. stressful to go through that and get, mm -hmm. and get certified, but it's something that, you know, to anyone listening to this podcast or watching it or, you know, in general, like just take steps forward and the Lord will provide, you know, he'll give, yeah. he'll give grace. He'll give even uh, what we're starting with is respite care to, if you're certified foster, yeah. you can watch mm -hmm. other foster kids um, if those families need a break. And so, you know, or mm -hmm. reach out to local foster families and cook a meal for them or, um, on. you know, find a way just, just to help. Um, just to you help. know, because it's, there's, there's a yeah. huge need. And, and like you said, we celebrate uh, the overturning of Rovers Wade, but it, it doesn't take anything off our shoulders as, as believers. Um, there's all, all the more reason, you know, how many 15 or 16 year old pregnant women, how many of the, their first thought is, let me go to the church down the street for help. Um, right. So, yeah. Whew. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. not easy. <laughs> um, it's definitely not an easy Oh man, that statistic is just incredible. But still, it's it's not a, it's not an easy thing. But that's why that's why I say, 
um, you know, I really think that any anybody that's just willing to take that step of faith is just I, I consider you you're you're my hero. You're my hero. So thank you, Tom thank and you. Uh, Amanda, and thank you everybody else. Anybody else that's uh, considering that or willing to consider that or willing to commit it to prayer, even you know, just just yeah. any kind of step in that direction. Or even as Tom said, where you know, it's like if you can't commit to it right now, but you know, find somebody that you can partner with in some way. Bring them a meal. Bring them something. But but let's get involved. And uh, I think it just kind of goes back to what you said earlier, and we'll wrap this up. But you know, when it comes to discipleship, it's like, just start with one, you know? And so whatever it is, if anything from this conversation, anything that Tom shared today, just the Holy Spirit was maybe tugging on something or just kind of highlighted something to you. And you're like, you know, I'd like to do that, but it's not happening in my life right now. Just kind of taking that small step, like that small step of faith to say, God, how can I partner with you in this area of my life? And uh, just that willingness to take that, not a huge step, but just a small step and then to see what God does with it. And yeah. uh, I have a friend who says that supernatural is when we do something natural and God puts his super on it. Come on. <laughs> and yeah. I think that that's practical, you know, just really practical. And uh, yeah, so, but Tom, thank you, brother. Again, I appreciate you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. Yeah, well, thanks, everybody, for taking the time to check out this conversation. Appreciate you guys as well. If you got anything out of it, uh, if it blessed you, challenged you, encouraged you, or made you mad or whatever, just uh, appreciate you guys so much for being here. And uh, if it did, if you are looking for a way that you could support this podcast, you can do that. If you're listening to one of the podcast platforms, you can subscribe, share, leave a review. There's also a brand new Facebook page um, for the for Real Live Talk. And uh, that's going to help me streamline some things as well. And if you haven't already, if you would uh, like the page, I leave a review on the page. It's um, I think it's <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's facebook.com slash real live talk podcast. Um, but if you have any trouble finding it, let me know and I'll point you to it. But I appreciate you guys so much. Have an awesome day. See you next time.